Welcome to the Compounding Center Connections, where we talk about different health conditions with our partnered practitioners. I'm your host, Jay Gill, the owner and a compounding pharmacist from the Compounding Center in Leesburg, Virginia. At the Compounding Center, we collaborate with practitioners, create custom medications to help our patients get better. In today's episode, I have Dr. Suzette McCoola from the Department of Otolaryngology at the Georgetown University Medical Center. Welcome, Dr. McCoola. Thank, Thank you, you for Jay, for inviting me. Thank you for joining us for this talk, uh, Dr. McCoola. And the talk today is on chronic sinus infections. Could you please uh, introduce yourself to the listeners? Um, yes, my name is Dr. Suzette McCoola. I work at Georgetown University Hospital in the Department of uh, Otolaryngology. Uh, my specialty area is rhinology, uh, which includes disorder of the nose and sinuses, um, allergy, facial plastics, and uh, sleep medicine as well. Great. So, you know, you and I have worked together for many years and ENT has become one of our specialties that we at the pharmacy support ENT throughout the uh, DC, uh, Maryland, Virginia area. And could you explain to our listeners uh, what causes sinus infections and how do they become chronic? Yes, there are many different causes for sinus infections, but one of the most common ones um, is a viral infection. So it's a common cold um, that goes on and does not clear up. Um, if it's an acute infection, it's something that will last less than a month, four weeks in duration. Um, if it's more than three months, it's considered a chronic um, inflammation. So there's a difference between a chronic inflammation is something where inside the sinuses, the lining inside the sinuses is inflamed, um, and that can predispose patients to getting what we call um, acute on top of chronic infections. Can you explain where are the sinuses uh, for our viewers and listeners, and what is the actual function of the sinus cavities? Well, the sinus cavities are in the head and we have four cavities on each side. We have sinuses behind our cheeks. These are called the maxillary sinuses. Um, we have sinuses in between our eyes. These are called the ethmoid sinuses. We have sinuses uh, behind our eyebrows, which are called the frontal sinuses. And then we have sinuses that are behind our ethmoid sinuses at our base of skull called our sphenoid sinuses. Um, function of the sinuses has been somewhat unknown, but in general, um, I would say the purpose of the sinuses is to um, help with um, balancing the weight of the head um, because they are um, hollow cavities. Um, and it's not really in humidification of air, um, but um, it adds to, I suppose, um, a defense um, against um, infection. Um, although there are patients who are more susceptible to 
uh, getting these infections. And sometimes that can have to do with um, anatomical variation. Gotcha. And, you know, I, I always get calls at the pharmacy sometimes that, you know, um, that there's a lot of mucus buildup in the sinuses. How, how does that kind of happen uh, uh, for someone? Or, or maybe my question should be like, how, how is someone prone to get sinus infections? Well, patients who have chronic inflammation inside their sinuses um, are probably more prone to getting sinus infections, acute sinus infections. Um, if they catch a cold, like I said before, they can get an acute on top, on top of a chronic infection. Um, patients who have, um, who are immunocompromised, um, who have autoimmune conditions, um, often are more prone uh, to getting sinus infections. Um, patients with significant allergies um, where the sinus cavities um, become very swollen during allergy seasons um, and they're not on any allergy medication or the medication that they're taking is not effective, um, can often get recurrent acute sinus infections. Um, there are, you know, exposure to pollutants in the air, chronic exposure to pollutants in the air can cause uh, reactivity of the lining of, of the sinuses. Um, there are numerous other causes um, for it. Um, so those are some of the, so those are some of the common reasons. Gotcha. So um, um, uh, uh, as a uh, otolaryngologist, do you recommend any type of preventative or sinus health type to your patients to say, you know, if you uh, do this throughout the years, you can minimize the number of infections or, you know, just be uh, preventative in nature, essentially. Like sinus rinses over the counter. So once with we that? know patients, so so once we know patients um, are getting these infections, yes, we often do recommend that they do um, over the counter rinses um, uh, using um, uh, salt packets that can contain um, baking soda um, and also uh, distilled water. Um, because there have been instances where people have irrigated their sinuses and, and gotten other infections um, from, say, using well water. Oh. Um, but we do, we do recommend that, you know, when we have patients who are prone to getting these uh, infections, um, which can also be from sick contacts. I have patients who are teachers and um, when they're working in, in the schools, they are exposed to um, children, kids, you know, a lot of kids uh, carry germs and, you know, they end up getting infected for whatever reason. Um, and so when we know that they have this situation or like during cold flu season, when, you know, there are a lot of viruses out there, um, we do have them do these irrigations or sometimes um, saline moisturization, um, over-the-counter nasal saline sprays, things like that. Gotcha, gotcha. So I, I know personally I get season allergies and a few years ago I started the plant, I really start, 
like a month before I start doing my sinus rinses, it helps me mm-hmm. not have that mm-hmm. congestion. So they, they do really work. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. One of the other questions mm-hmm. I always get is um, that um, nasal about nasal polyps. Okay, I know we're talking about mm-hmm. uh, sinus mm-hmm. infections, but could you explain to the listeners mm-hmm. what are nasal polyps and how do they grow? So nasal polyps are not cancerous. I'll just start out by saying that because polyps in the colon, you know, can be precancerous, but in the sinus cavity, um, they are not usually cancerous. They're benign. Um, But basically it's an inflammatory condition um, that can occur in um, certain groups of patients. Um, There's a group of patients that are sensitive to aspirin. These are known as aspirin exacerbate. They have aspirin exacerbated respiratory uh, disease. And these patients have polyps, they have aspirin sensitivity and they have asthma. So polyps in this group of patients um, is very common. Um, there are patients who have what we call allergic fungal sinusitis, and this is not an invasive fungal um, infection. This is something where the patient is very allergic um, to fungus and they have mucosal reactivity. The swelling gets so bad that they produce these polyps. Um, and it's almost like an autoimmune condition. Um, and it's a condition that is a lifelong condition, basically. Um, there are other patients who can develop polyps for no apparent reason. Um, we, you know, we've been studying this, there's a lot of studies going on and, um, we don't always know what causes some patients to have polyps, especially if they test negative for allergies or they don't fall into this, um, aspirin exacerbated respiratory disease group. Um, there are some other groups too, um, that are more prone, but these are uh, some of the more common ones. Um, so it's a challenge in some cases, taking um, care of some patients with these conditions. Gotcha. So, you know, sometimes I get a question or Mm -hmm. a a patient will mention to us that they have undergone sinus surgery. Um, Could you explain Mm -hmm. to us like how how do you decide uh, or what factors decide surgery over let's say rinses, some other kind of treatments that you're talking about, like oral antibiotic rinses and things like that. So patients that we take to surgery are those who have tried and failed prolonged courses of conservative treatment. So conservative treatment would include prolonged courses of oral antibiotics, topical steroid sprays or topical steroid rinses, um, antihistamines. Um, These patients have chronic sinusitis as seen on their CAT scan and they probably also have recurrent acute infections, which is why they've been treated with these multiple courses of prolonged antibiotics. Can someone uh, uh, after surgery still get infection or polyps to grow back? 
Yes, and that is one of the risks for patients with polyps that the polyps can grow back, absolutely. And so these topical rinses that we do, especially um, the ones that we have patients order from uh, the compounding center that contain um, a topical steroid called budesonide or mometasone um, can be very effective in preventing these polyps or slowing down the growth of these polyps. Gotcha. And um, how patients can also get recurrent. Oh, sorry. No, 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 go ahead, <laughs> patients, go ahead. But I just wanted to also say that there are other patients who have recurrent um, bacterial infections that can be acute or prolonged. And in some of these patients where they have very resistant bacteria, um, they can't maybe take a certain class of antibiotics um, or maybe, you know, the, the, the antibiotics are just not working. Um, we don't want to give them intravenous antibiotics. Um, we try these topical irrigations containing antibiotics um, and steroids um, to at least keep these uh, infections from getting worse or just like uh, treating them and keeping them um, from developing. Um, so um, how long? Uh, They're how very long, helpful. Gotcha. And uh, sorry, there's a little bit of delay, so I don't mean to interrupt uh, accidentally. Um, how long does someone have to be on okay. a sinus rinse? So for patients who, it, it's very patient individual. Um, this is the way I treat it. Um, I usually have patients who have very resistant bacteria. I at least keep them on a topical antibiotic um, for three months. Um, for patients who get bacterial infections or are prone to get bacterial infections during cold flu season, I usually keep them on something during the cold flu season. And then, you know, they go off it um, after that season is over. Uh, so it's, there are some patients who have autoimmune or immunodeficient conditions where, you know, we try to take them off of it and it ju they just get infected no matter what we do. So um, in some of those patients, very few, um, we keep them on it uh, long-term. Got you. So um, one last question and it's regarding COVID mm -hmm. and during this time, um, have you mm -hmm. come across any patients uh, with loss of smell? Because that has become a indicator for COVID, uh, COVID-19. So any yes, suggestions? Yes, yes. Um, we ha I have come across some patients who have had a loss of smell secondary to COVID. Now, usually the, the loss of smell um, resolves within three weeks to three months. Um, but if it is not responding, um, then uh, we, we can try some topical steroid sprays, um, particularly uh, one that reaches the olfactory cleft, um, or um, we can also, and or, because we can do this in conjunction, we can try um, smell training with essential oils. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, a lot of information that you have discussed with us today. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. um, I just wanted You're to. Uh, I just wanted to uh, mention that everything that is discussed today is for informational purposes only. 
not for diagnosis mm -hmm. or treatment. Okay. Um, so Dr. McCullough, if, right. if someone wanted to reach out to you uh, and consult with you, uh, where can you be reached uh, uh, or how can someone reach you? Um, so you, they can call um, the hospital, uh, Georgetown University Hospital. Our department number um, is 202-444-8186. Um, I am at Georgetown, but I am also at um, an outreach clinic in McLean, Virginia. Um, and so we do have a central scheduling uh, service. Um, and when they call, they can let the central scheduler know where they prefer to have their appointment. Um, we do see patients, as I said, in Virginia and also at Georgetown. Great. And I will make sure in the descriptions we have the links to both the sites listed. Uh, thank you thank everyone you. for joining thank us. You. I can be reached at j at compoundingcenter.com. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to reach out to me. Thank you.